Good morning, dear friends. Thank you for having arrived safely. Welcome to the 21-day retreat. There are all kinds of retreats, but the 21-day retreat is the best. So we are having the best of the retreats. We have come from many nations, and each one of us represents uh, a Sangha in their homeland. And we are here for members of our Sangha also. A Sangha, a true Sangha, is a jewel. Because a true Sangha always uh, carries, carries within herself the Buddha, the living Buddha, and the living Dharma. If the living Dharma, Buddha is not there, if the living Dharma is not there, it's not a living it's not a true Sangha. There are many conditions, many things that show us that we are a true Sangha. We have the practice. We have been able to build a brotherhood, sisterhood. We have been able to create the energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. We have been able to help many people. So we are a true Sangha. And we know that the Buddha, the true Buddha, is in us, and also the true Dharma. The Sangha need not to be Buddhist. The Sangha can be non-Buddhist. Anyway, Buddhism is made of non-Buddhist elements. <laughs> when I met uh, Martin Luther King in Chicago in 1966, we already spoke about uh, Sangha building. We met and have tea together. And then we went down for a press conference. And in that press conference, uh, Martin Luther King came out against the Vietnam War. And I told the press that uh, his uh, activities for human rights, civil rights, go perfectly with our efforts in Vietnam to stop the killing and to bring peace to the land. And we should support each other. Martin Luther King was young at that time, 1966, and Thay was also young, (laughs) 40 years ago. And he spoke about the beloved community. You know that we both belong to the Fellowship of Reconciliation, which is an organization working for peace and reconciliation. We both hold um, responsibilities in the organization. And he has spoken uh, a few times about uh, the beloved community. Without the beloved community, nothing can be done. And the beloved community community is the Sangha. Without the Sangha, nothing could be done. 
you have no refuge to, to take. You have no support. So the Sangha is a source of inspiration, a source of protection, a source of nourishment, and therefore each of us practitioners should give a helping hand building the Sangha. The Buddha could not do anything without the Sangha. And that is why after enlightenment, he sought immediately to find, to set up a Sangha. He went to Benares hoping to find, find his five uh, co-practitioners. And he built a Sangha of uh, six people in the deer park. And the Sangha grew into a Sangha of 90 people. And in just one year, it became 1,250 members. The Buddha is an excellent Sangha builder. <laughs> and as we are the continuation of the Buddha, we should learn the art of Sangha building. Martin Luther King built his Sangha in his own way, and Thay built his Sangha in his own way, but we both do the same. We have been uh, sowing the peace, uh, the, the seeds of uh, peace non-violence, human right, togetherness. We have done it in many ways. And in my meeting with uh, Martin Luther King just a few months before his uh, assassination, that was in uh, Geneva, we were there in order to participate into a peace conference, past cemeteries, birth, peace on earth. He invited me to come up to his room on the eleventh floor for breakfast. I was late because I had uh, to meet a journalist. And when I came up, he still waited and he kept uh, my breakfast warm. <coughs> Martin had uh, many assistants. I only had one. And I stayed in the ground floor. I was able to tell him one thing. Martin, you know, in Vietnam, we speak of you as a bodhisattva. You are a real bodhisattva. What you are, have been doing is the work of a bodhisattva. He was very moved. He did not say anything, but he was very moved. I'm glad that I told him that. Because that is the last, that was the last chance I met him before he died. When I were, when uh, they shot him, I was in New York City. I had flu. I was sick. I was uh, in despair. But I know that what we had been doing are of the same nature, planting the seeds of brotherhood, sisterhood, peace, nonviolence, forgiveness, and so on.
Now, as I look back, I see that uh, the seeds we ha- have been planting are not lost. They have begun to sprout and to come up. The beloved community, the expression he used for Sangha building, is there. You can recognize it as a Sangha, although it does not bear a Buddhist name. And Barack Obama is a member of the Sangha. We have produced Obama. Our Sangha has produced Barack Obama. He is a man who is capable of using loving speech and deep listening. He is the hope of many of us. But he needs a strong Sangha to support him. Because as a politician, he's going to make compromise sometime, from time to time. And he's losing himself and his stand. So as members of the Sangha, we have to do something to help him to stand firm to continue his aspiration, his hope, his determination. Imagine the President of the United States are surrounded by many advisors, including industrial and military advisors. And he is a politician. Is the Sangha strong enough, present enough in order to help him, to support him, so that he can stay himself, remain himself? This is a question I have put to myself. So we in the United States of America, we should do something in order to show him that his Sangha is there, always supporting him advising him for him to continue. And we over here in Europe, in Africa, in uh, Australia, in Asia, we can do something in order to support uh, Obama by building a Sangha and uh, having our Sangha support him so that he can continue to be our hope. We know that his uh, job is a difficult one. And we understand if he can he make some mistakes. But if uh, the Buddha needs the Sangha to realize his dream, and then Obama also needs a strong Sangha in order to realize his dream, because his dream is a Collective, collective one. And we should lend a helping hand in one way or another. And how? When the Buddha uh, met uh, King Prasanajit, the last time that took place in uh, northern uh, Koshala. During that last meeting, the king was able to tell the Buddha, Lord Buddha, every time I see your Sangha, I have confidence in you more and more. It's a very strange uh, statement. Every time I see your Sangha moving around, I have more confidence in you. Because, because the Sangha is the work of the Buddha. 
And without the Sangha, the Buddha cannot realize his dream. The Buddha also had a dream to relieve uh, the world of uh, suffering. It's a noble dream. And we, practitioners, we are Bodhisattvas with a dream also. We want to do something in order to relieve the world of uh, the suffering. So we join in the career of the Buddha. And if we want to succeed, we also need a Sangha. And those of us who have been practicing for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we know very well that without the Sangha, we cannot go very far. Every time I see your Sangha, Lord Buddha, I have confidence, I have faith in you. And that is why each of us should help the Buddha, should lend a hand in building the Sangha, because the Sangha is our hope. The 21-day retreat is an opportunity to, to, for us to perceive the Sangha visibly. The Sangha is always there, but in the 21-day retreat, many of us come as long-time practitioners. We recognize each other. And we know that uh, we have faith, we have confidence in the path and in each other. We know that without the Sangha, we cannot go far. And that is why the 21-day retreat is also an opportunity for us to strengthen, to consolidate our Sangha. Without the Sangha, the world will be lost. And that is why our task is to preserve the Sangha, to build the Sangha, and to open the way for the world. Because in the Sangha, there is the Buddha, the Dharma. The Buddha is understanding, enlightenment. And the Dharma is the path, is the path of understanding and love. When I see the Sangha manifest, as in uh, the 21-day retreat, I feel so happy. I don't want to say anything, just to sit down and uh, (laughs) to feel that my Sangha is there. And therefore, maybe every day before the Dharma talk, we might like to sit quietly for some time in order to realize that we still have each other as a Sangha. And that is great happiness. We still have each other as a Sangha. We still have hope. When uh, Barack Obama manifested 
I regret it a little bit because uh, Father Luther King is not there to witness to the fruit of our of our efforts. Because uh, the fact that Obama manifests as a person and that uh, the majority of the American people elected him as president, it means our Sangha is there. There is good enough right thinking so that uh, Obama has got enough uh, votes, enough right understanding, enough right thinking. And that is the Sangha. Obama is not an individual. Obama, Obama represents a Sangha. So our work is how to keep the Sangha close to Obama, to lend our support, our wisdom, our love. And you may like to reflect on this. There must be a way. Wherever, wherever there is a will, there is a way. So the presence of uh, Obama means the presence of a Sangha whose members think in that direction. We believe in the practice of uh, love, of nonviolence, of loving speech, of deep listening, of brotherhood, of peace. And it's our duty to protect, to preserve people like Obama. And there must be ways in order to support people like him who are a little bit everywhere and who try to manifest for our sake as politicians, as artists, as uh, business leaders, as teachers, as healers, and so on. I regret that Martin Luther King is no longer alive in order to see the fruit of his action. But finally, I saw that uh, we are the continuation of Martin Luther King. We can see with his eyes. So he is always alive. He's happy because uh, he knows that uh, everything he has done has bare fruit. When we hear Obama talking to the people of Iran, we know that he was using loving speech. And he was uh, trying to talk to the Cuban people. We know that he, is, he was using loving speech. He's doing that for all of us. So we should support him. And using loving speech can already relieve a lot of anger relieve a lot of suffering. Before you do anything, your speech has already helped remove the anger, the despair in the heart of many people. <coughs> dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, you are here for a 21 day retreat. Let us... Uh, Enjoy every moment of it. Let us take the opportunity to to build more brotherhood, sisterhood. We shall be practicing as a sangha.
the theme of our retreat is uh, the path of the Buddha. The path of Buddha. The Buddha has a path. And that is our path. Because uh, we are the continuation of the Buddha. I want to make the path of Buddha shine in such a way that people see that this is the path of humanity in the 21st century. The 21st century is like a hill. And we climb, we are climbing the hill of the 21st century as a sangha. We don't climb it as individuals. We climb it as a sangha. And I think we have come to this point nine years already. And this is uh, 2050. We arrive at this. And I'm sure that if we climb beautifully, enjoying every step, and then when we arrive there, looking down, it will be very beautiful. It depends on how we climb the century. Each step should be love. Each step should be forgiveness. Each step should be healing and transformation. Each step should be the pure land, the kingdom of God. And that is what we we want to do. And with the Sangha, this practice becomes easy, possible. So during the 21-day retreat, we shall do like that. We shall walk in such a way that each step brings peace, brings happiness, brings the brotherhood. We don't want to walk uh, otherwise. We want to walk in such a way that every step becomes healing, nourishing, transforming. Every time we sit, we sit in such a way that the world could profit from our sitting. We are solid, we are relaxed, we are calm, we are happy while sitting. We sit like sitting on a lotus flower, not a heap of burning charcoal. (laughs) When we eat our breakfast, we eat in such a way that make peace possible, joy possible, and freedom possible, life possible. That can we enjoy, that could, you could enjoy all the wonders of life in us and around us. Eating our breakfast is a deep practice. You are always there for yourself and for your Sangha. You are not uh, carried away by the past or by the future. You are really there in order to eat your breakfast. Your breakfast is available to you, and you are available to the breakfast. You are available to the Sangha, because the Sangha is there, available to you, always, dwelling in the present moment. The Buddha said that the past is already gone, and the future is not yet there. So there is only one moment when you can be truly alive. That is the present moment. And therefore our effort, our practice, is always stay in the present moment. And the present moment is the door for healing, for transformation, for peace. What we are looking for, whether it is our health, health, 
เรียกชาวแว่นรอยเอาเอสเอาจอยเอาสักเซสอาดับเพื่อนแลนด์เอาทรานส์ฟอร์เมชั่นเอาแฮปปี้เนส Whatever, whatever we are looking for, we have to look for it in the present moment. Because nowhere you can see, you you, nowhere you can find these kind of things, including the kingdom of God. Your emancipation, your. Your freedom. Suppose you are you're concerned about your health, and you have some worry about your health. And you keep thinking of the past. When you did not have that kind of uh, difficulties, or you keep thinking of the future when the situation can get worse, and you are losing a lot of energy, if you are concerned about your health, and if you are losing your energy, you don't know what to do. But the, the thing you should do is to go home to the present moment. When you go home to the present moment, you have the chance to get the insight. The insight of what you should do, or what you should not do, in order not to make the situation worse, in order to improve the situation. <coughs> you go home to the present moment. And when you go home to the, the present moment, you feel that... Uh, There is a worry in you. There is a tension in you. There is a tension in your body. There is a worry in your mind, and you know that this is not good for your healing. We know that uh, many of the diseases have come from the accumulation of tensions in our body. Many of the diseases have come from our uh, over worries. That is why, when you go home to yourself, you have an opportunity to find out that. Uh, There is something you can do right away, so that you will step into the direction of healing, of transformation. Stop the tension. Stop the worry. And that is concrete things to do right away. Stop accumulating 
tensions. Relax your body. Stop worry. And as a practitioner, we know exactly what to do in order to realize that. We know how to breathe in mindfully and allow our breathing to flow. We know that breathing in can be a joyable thing and can be uh, enjoyable. We know that we can practice uh, mindful walking. Because of mindful walking like this can release the tension in your body. And if you are really concentrated in your steps, you are fully established in the here and the now. And you know that spring is there. The wonders of life is there, ready to nourish you, to support you. You are in touch. So you are advancing on a path of healing. And when you breathe in and allow your body to relax according to the exercise proposed by the Buddha, breathing in, I'm aware of the tension in my body. Breathing out, I release all tension in my body. You can, you can already do something for your healing. You don't need to worry. When you are caught by the past, you cannot do anything for yourself. When you are pulled away by the future with your, with your fear, your worries, you cannot do anything. So go into the present moment and you find out that there are things that you can do right here and right now in order to facilitate, facilitate your healing. You know what to eat and what not to eat. Because eating has to do with your, with your health. And you can make a decision. I am determined not to eat that anymore, not to drink that anymore, not to smoke that anymore. That's for the sake of healing. So in the present moment, we get the insight. And we get to know what to do, what not to do. And all the resources are available in the here and the now. And that is why uh, our practice is always going home to the present moment where you can encounter um, all the wonders of life that have the power to refresh, to nourish, and to heal. In the present moment, you know exactly what doctor to go to, what friend, which what friend that that uh, you can help, that can help you. So the present moment is the the door, the only the only door. If you want to look for happiness. Go back to the present moment. And go back to the present moment, you find out that there's so many conditions of happiness that are available. And you can be happy right here, right now. The problem is whether you are capable of being happy. You are seeking for happiness, but Maybe when happiness arrives, you are not capable of being happy. That is a big problem. <clears throat> Suppose you are a child and you walk by a 
bakery. We saw so many delicious things inside. Many kind of cake. You want this, you want that. And you hope that uh, you have one of these cake. And if mommy buy you one, you'll be happy. And maybe in your child's mind, you hope that uh, one day uh, there are no people at all and you are free to, to enter into a bakery like that and you are free to eat anything you like. And imagine, imagine the, the owner of the, of the shop invite you in and you say, my dear child, you can eat anything you like. The whole shop is for you. And I don't know how will you react. There's so many wonderful, tasty, delicious things to eat. And I doubt that you will not be able to enjoy. There's so many good things to eat and you are confused. You don't know what to begin with. And you might like to try one and then you eat too quickly and after that you cannot eat anymore. Dear friends, when you go home to the present moment, you feel like that. There are so many wonderful things. There are so many conditions of happiness that are available. And you are confused. You don't know what to do. In fact, the present moment is the pure land of the Buddha, the kingdom of God. There are so many wonders of life available. And you can enjoy everything, everything. Yourself and what is around you. Conditions of happiness, they are there, available in the here and the now. The problem is whether you are capable of uh, being happy. Today, try. Try mindful breathing, mindful walking, and allow yourself to be in touch with the spring to see whether you can handle the beauty, the happiness that is given you by nature, by life. That is why it's very important to learn how to enjoy one step you take. One step you take in mindfulness, in freedom, in relaxation, can bring you a lot of healing, can bring you a lot of transformation, can bring you a lot of freedom, of joy. And you are welcome to make not only one step, but two steps, three steps, four steps. And you are overwhelmed by happiness. You'll be overwhelmed by happiness. That is why to cultivate our capacity of being happy is very important. The fact is that uh, happiness is available. Conditions of happiness are available. If you know how to say bye-bye to the past and to say bye-bye to the future and go home to the present moment, 
and then you find that uh, you are you have more conditions to be happy than you have thought. Life is such a gift, abundant, abundant. Dear friends, while I was in Germany uh, last month, I was interviewed by a Christian uh, theologian about the subject of uh, a global uh, spirituality. How to bring about a global spirituality. Our retreat has something to do with uh, global ethics the path of Buddha, of the Buddha, a Buddhist contribution to uh, a global ethic. And there must be some relationship between uh, spirituality, the spiritual, and the ethical. In the teaching of the Buddha, <coughs> as we have learned, the five uh, mindfulness trainings represent uh, the ethic of uh, Buddhism. For lay practitioner, the five uh, mindfulness trainings represent the path of uh, morality, the ethic of uh, Buddhist path. The the ten precepts of uh, novices, the two hundred and fifty precepts for monastics. The 14 precepts for OI members, they all represent uh, the Buddhist uh, teaching on uh, as far as ethic and morality is concerned. And the one who interviewed me, he seems to distinguish between the spiritual and the ethical. And he wants only to talk about spiritual. And I told him that anything can be spiritual. When I pick up my tea in mindfulness, and when I look at my tea mindfully and begin to drink my tea in mindfulness, 
the drinking become very spiritual. Very spiritual. When I brush my teeth in mindfulness, aware that it's wonderful to have the time to enjoy brushing my teeth, that I'm alive, that the wonders of life around me, and brushing my teeth with mindfulness and with joy and with love, toothbrushing becomes spiritual. And when you go to the toilet, defecating or urinating, and if you are mindful, if you see the wonders of life, and many uh, uh, teachers of us have said that even uh, defecating, urinating is Buddhism. So urinating, defecating can be also very spiritual. So there is a deep link between the ethical and the spiritual. And if you cannot see the spiritual in the ethical, your ethical your ethic may be empty. You do that, but you don't know why you do that. And you don't enjoy doing that. Suppose you practice uh, the, five, the fifth training, not to drink alcohol. <laughs> not to use drugs. But you suffer you still want to drink alcohol, you still drink, want to use drugs. But you are in a situation where you have to practice the fifth uh, uh, mindfulness training. So the ethic that you follow is empty because you don't re- see really the value of it. You don't see it has come from insight, from love, you don't, don't see a spiritual dimension. And that is why you don't like, uh, you know that it's good for your health, so you, you refrain, but you suffer. It's like uh, being a vegetarian. If you are happy eating vegetarian food, you feel that you are lucky to be able to eat only vegetable and not uh, to cause suffering to other living beings. And there is a joy, there is, a, there is insight, there is compassion, the spirituality in your eating. So eating becomes a very spiritual thing. So we will find out during our meditation together that there is no no barrier dividing the ethical and the spiritual. They are one. And uh, we have, uh, we shall have uh, Dharma talks dealing with uh, the team. We shall have uh, Dharma discussions in order to share our insight, our experiences. But supporting these uh, kind of actions, we have our practice, our daily practice. We eat in mindfulness or listen to the birds and uh, and, uh, and the bell and each other in mindfulness. We practice uh, mindful walking, mindful sitting, mindful breathing mindful eating. So in that uh, kind of uh, mindfulness and concentration, we shall have a powerful 
energy of mindfulness and concentration. That will help us get a breakthrough and unite our insight. We want to offer the path of Buddha to the world. We seek a kind of language that can, uh, by which we can share the wisdom of the Buddha to the world. And do we do, this, do that not as, uh, not as scholars, but as practitioners. So our insight comes from our practice and not from our learning from books. And therefore, our practicing together of walking, sitting, breathing, eating, brushing our teeth is very important. It is at the foundation of that success. We shall have to uh, to offer a version, a new version of the five mindfulness trainings. A new version. So that everyone, Buddhist and non-Buddhist, can see this is the path for the whole world. During our winter retreat, we have done that during three months, mostly with monastics. And after that, we had the French retreat. We also focused our attention on a new version of the five mindfulness training. And with the 21-day retreat, we do it again. The Sangha has done it once, twice, and now it's the third time. We want to go deep. And we need everyone for his or her practice, his or her insight. We want to offer the world our idea our experience, our joy, as uh, in the form of uh, a text on global ethics. And we want also to, uh, to revise the 14 mindfulness trainings. If you don't mind, we have two versions. One version for Buddhist is very easy because there are technical terms. And one version for everyone. You don't need to be a Buddhist in order to understand. And that is for the 14 trainings and uh, the five trainings. We set up an editing committee to do that during the 21-day retreat. So please, volunteer and help. I have faith in the Sangha. You see that? I wish all of you a wonderful, happy retreat. Thank you.